As our children make their way out to Cathedral Kids, will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who speaks, and you are a God who calls, and you give liberally of your spirit, and Lord, you love us as a father only can. We, your adopted children. Would you pour out your spirit now, Lord, that the word might be opened up to us in a powerful way. Come, Holy Spirit, come and and fill this place. Fill each one of us to overflowing. And Lord, speak through me now that my words would be your words and your truth would be spoken, heard, and received deep in our hearts here today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, this happened to me the other day. Um, I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Did you ever um, sort of catch your, your image in the mirror and, uh, and just kind of marvel at your own existence? Has that ever happened to you where you just sort of, you look in the mirror and you go, there I am. <laughs> I exist. And, and of course, you, then you quickly find yourself asking that, that most basic of all questions, why? Why me? Why? Why am I here? Why did the creator create me as opposed to deciding not to create me? And, and hopefully if we're, if we're asking the why question, we're also then asking a how question. How do I fulfill the purpose for which I was created? And the answer to that question actually, of course, helps us answer the why question. And these types of questions about existence and identity and and purpose, well, they're only human. Um, As humans, we're, we're all looking for epiphanies, epiphanies in life, epiphanies about life, and we're grateful when we receive them. And here's a radical thought. Uh... I think that when he caught his image in a pool of water or perhaps in like, I don't know, a plate of silver or something, Jesus just might have asked these same kinds of human questions. Jesus, the Son of God, he took on flesh and was born of a human mother. The incarnation, Jesus, he is fully human, fully human. And so he surely asks fully human questions about his own existence and purpose in the fullness of his humanity. Jesus was, of course, himself an epiphany. He was the epiphany of epiphanies. But I know he was always looking for epiphanies in life and and grateful when he received them. But the difference, you see, with Jesus, though, is this. It's that he lived his life, a life with all the same human struggles and temptations as ours. He, though, was always open, always open to those epiphanies that his Father in heaven was sending his way. He was ever attuned to his Father's call and ever active in answering it. And we see this in lots of scenes in the, in the Gospels, but like one example is that, is that uh, scene in Luke chapter 2 when 
during a family trip to Jerusalem uh, for the Feast of the Passover, the boy Jesus, you remember this story, wanders off from the rest of the family and finds his way to the temple, and he sits amongst the teachers in the temple there. And then Luke chapter 2, verse 46 says, Jesus was listening to the teachers and asking them questions. So he was open to receiving epiphanies, even at that young age. And when his parents, who were, of course, horrified, terrified where he was, he was missing from them for three days, when they finally come up to him and they, and they ask him why he would put such a fright in them by getting himself lost for these three days, he says, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? He was compelled to be in his father's house, listening, asking, learning, epiphany after epiphany after epiphany. And, and that was the pattern of Jesus' life as he, as Luke puts it in the same passage of uh, that time in the temple, as he grew in wisdom and stature. And then as the years went on, after his wisdom and stature had grown to such a, a level that was, I suppose, sufficient, we come to the scene we heard read in today's lesson from Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. So if you want to open up uh, that passage, Matthew chapter 3, 13 to 17, it's in the Pew Bibles at, on pages 808 and 809. If you brought your own Bible, just open it to that passage. Now, all four of the Gospels record this scene of Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist. And so, if all four, the Synoptics and John, record it, it's clearly a seminal event. Um, but I'd say that this event in Jesus' life is perhaps the most pivotal. Here's what I mean. At this point in Jesus' life, his trajectory seems to take its most dramatic pivot and he goes from son of Nazareth carpenter to this trajectory of being uh, the, answering this ultimate calling of being the savior of the world. And it starts right here at his baptism. And, and people often wonder why Jesus needed to be baptized by John at all. John the Baptist, Baptist his baptism was after all a, um, a baptism of repentance and, and for the forgiveness of sins, and, and we all know that Jesus, the Son of God, we read in, in a place like Hebrews, he was tempted in every way as we are, but did not sin. And so what's going on here in the baptism of the sinless Lord Jesus? It's always the event on which the church focuses its attention on this particular Sunday. This is the first Sunday in the season we call the season of Epiphany. So on the actual Feast of the Epiphany, that was last Monday, January 6th, we remember the um, visit of the wise men, these three Gentiles who come to worship the newborn king of the Jews, a king they somehow recognize has come not just for the Jews, but for them and for all those other nations of the world that they represent. And then this Sunday, we focus on the baptism of Jesus. Why? Well, I think 
This epiphany event, the baptism, is our focus because it, it speaks to us of how Jesus heard his father's calling, received the equipping power that he needed to fulfill that calling, and basked in the knowledge of his unchanging identity and status. So what you could call this event is a coronation. It's a coronation of Jesus as the king. In Jesus' case, the baptism isn't about repentance, but it's about his unique vocation, his being called, equipped, and most importantly, beloved. This scene is an epiphany for the Lord Jesus, to be sure, but it's also a great epiphany for us. It's through Jesus' baptism for Uh, we see in his baptism the glorious epiphany of our own vocations, that we too are being called, equipped, and beloved. So first, what is the calling that Jesus is heeding in here? Well, John rightly understands that uh, he is the one who needs Jesus' baptism more than the other way around. Um, He says as much in verse 14, but then Jesus responds in verse 15 and saying, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And and it's this word all that I want to highlight. I was uh, reading in a, a Greek dictionary about this word pas, which is the word translated all here. It's a word, it means all, it means every, uh, the totality. And what it said in this dictionary was this, about this word. It says, all, uh, when pas modifies a word with the definite article, it has extensive, intensive force. It's a little tiny word, but it does intensive and and an extensive force to what it's modifying. So here Jesus in his baptism is fulfilling all righteousness. It is extensively and intensively righteous for Jesus to do this thing, to be baptized by John. And I think this speaks to the extensive and intensive nature of Jesus' calling to be the Savior of the world. Nothing is held back. Jesus is to steal a phrase from Dabo Sweeney. I think I need to do that on the eve of the game. Sorry, Gamecock fans. You're just going to have to bear with this. Jesus is all in. Jesus is, as symbolized by this outward sign of baptism, giving himself fully over to addressing all the depths, all the depths of humanity's depravity. True fact. I learned this when I was over in the Holy Land last fall. There is no lower place on earth that a human being can take him or herself than to the bottom of the Jordan River. Right? So the Dead Sea may be lower, but you can't physically get yourself down because it's too buoyant and you, you pop back up like a cork. If you were to try and go to the same depth of the Jordan and Galilee, which is pretty low, you'd burst your eardrums and your head would explode. It would be terrible. Can't do it in the ocean. Can't do it, right? That is as low physically as one can take oneself is to the bottom of the Jordan River. 
And Jesus answers his father's call to be the one who will go all the way down to the very lowest place, the very bottom of mankind's need, holding nothing back. But you have to remember again that Jesus is himself fully human. I know for a fact that in his humanity, Jesus is tempted to hold back from giving his all over to the needs of others, just as we all are. And yet, he goes and fulfills all righteousness, heeding his vocation from the voice of his Father. And as he comes up from the water, we see that this one, Jesus, who's called, is also equipped with all the power he will need to fulfill his calling. Verse 16, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. There, as Jesus gave all to fulfill his righteous vocation, he is equipped with power, the power coming from above and descending and resting upon him, the power of the Spirit of God. And God doesn't stop there. The Father doesn't stop there. Then comes the most important moment of this epiphany moment for Jesus, and that's the revelation of his identity and his status. Verse 17, the caller and the equipper speaks from heaven. The Father speaks and says, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus knows in this moment why he's here and who he is and what his purpose is. He's called, equipped, and beloved armed with this baptism epiphany, and with that he goes forth, right? And we know he goes right out into the wilderness immediately after this, driven out by the Spirit, that power guiding him, and he goes forth facing all, giving all, sacrificing all. And sisters and brothers, for those of us who are baptized, our baptism Yes, it is a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And because that is so, and because that is done, there is also, as we come up out of the waters of baptism, we are born again. We are a new creation. We are born again to a living hope. We, like Christ, are called, equipped, and told that we are beloved children of God, adopted children of God, our Heavenly Father. And in us, He is well pleased. In you, He is well pleased. And like Christ, armed with this epiphany, 
our vocation as called, equipped, and beloved children of the living God, we can go forth. Believe it. We can go forth facing all, giving all, sacrificing all. But can we say that we are all in as those for whom Jesus was all in? Are we holding back? Of course we are. Let's be honest. Of course we are. We are. Of course we will hold back when we lose sight of the epiphany of our identity and our purpose as children of God, and we all lose sight of that. We just do. But those who are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we say in the liturgy, and this is a true fact, folks, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. We have this calling and the power from above has descended. The very Spirit of God has descended and is resting upon you and upon me. We are beloved and nothing, nothing will change that. And so we don't need to hold back anything. Jesus held nothing back, and he saved the world. If we will follow him, what glorious things will God do through us? So we need to get specific here. Let me... This, is, this affects all aspects of our lives, but let me just get real specific about one thing. Here's a way that we can begin to live into our vocation, knowing that we are equipped and beloved. And it is this. It is in an area that is both simple and straightforward and also incredibly hard. And that's the area of our financial stewardship. I know that this is hard because I have held back in this area. I know I've done it plenty of times. I've held back. I actually don't know an area of life where my lack of belief in the fact that I am called, equipped, and beloved is shown more clearly than when I am fearful about giving of the treasure that has been entrusted to me. And Jesus says as much when he talks about masters and who has mastery of your life, mammon or the Lord Jesus. And when I hold tight to my money, it's a sure sign that I do not understand why I'm here and for what purpose I'm here. And that the truth of the matter is, is that I am a beloved son of God. Fearful and, and miserly stewardship, of course, is really no stewardship of all. It's actually losing sight of the fact that we are stewards. It becomes this sort of mind thing. And, it, and we're like those seagulls in Finding Nemo. And it's all mine, mine, mine. And, and it's toxic for my soul and toxic for my spirit. And it betrays the fact that I do not know who I am or whose I am or why I'm here and what... My purpose is that I am called and equipped and beloved. And I am called, equipped, and, and beloved so fully that to hold back it, is me just denying all that which has been given to me by my adoption as a son of the living God. And so this financial thing, it's not everything, 
but it is certainly a very telling thing for us, and so we should. We need to look at our giving, every one of us. What does it show you about the condition of your heart and your knowledge of your identity and purpose? What would it look like for you to hold nothing back in the area of your financial stewardship? What might the the loosening of that grip do to other areas of your life and your mission? And I can tell you that, of course, it would do a whole lot for the life and mission of the church, Big C, and this church, your cathedral family. If, if, you're, if the cathedral family members really knew that that's exactly who you are, you are a family, we are a family, we are members of a family, the family of God, we're brothers and sisters adopted, and as such... You have been called, equipped, and are beloved. What might God do in in, and, and through us if we embrace that truth fully? And and I know you're sitting there and, and some of you are saying, but Pete, I really don't have any finances to give. And I say, okay. I think you probably have some, and you should. If you have some, just give some. But all of us have other things. We have time and talent, and today we're, we're going to focus on all of this. We're, we're going to have, after the service, uh, serve at your cathedral, a, a table set up with, with sign-up sheets and people representing different kinds of ministries of servanthood that you can do in this church and, and ways you can give of your time and of your talent. And friends, some of that actually does make a big difference to the, the ongoing mission and work of the church, even financially, right? If you're willing to give of your time and work in our nursery and help uh, care for our little ones, then that's some 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 paid uh, folks that we may not have to pay for as many hours and and that helps our bottom line or if you're good with your hands and you can come and help a team of folks doing a project here or there that we don't have to then subcontract out then that helps there's ways that we must give and we can't just come and sit and and receive only and hold on tight we need to be liberal in our giving now I think every one of us can and and we'll be blessed if we do give in a meaningful way of our treasure, that treasure entrusted to us. We all need to break the chains that money can have on us by giving it away. So let me just say this. Um, Let's all give a hard look at the actual monetary giving that we're doing. What percentage am I giving? Can I increase that by some percentage point? And we're going to give you these. They're in your bulletins. Take them with you. We'll talk more about this in the announcement time of what to do. Just take it with you. Don't, don't fill it out today necessarily. Take it. Pray the prayer on the other side. It's about giving ourselves over to the Lord, uh, dedicating our hearts to the one who's dedicated himself to us. And then there's some information about how you can go through online giving or you can fill out the form and and get into a process of of bringing uh, offerings another way that's just for here take that with you and this is not just about raising money for the church may sound like it but it's not I, I promise you this is so that we can show forth the fact that we are called by God who has great purpose in creating us 
We're equipped with the power of God, his very spirit descending and and resting upon each and every one of us, and we are sustained by the assurance of God that we are his beloved children in whom he is well pleased. And this is just one of the ways that we make it known and and, and exhibit the, the reality of this is a fruit of that truth having taken root right here. That's my prayer for us, friends. We who are called, equipped, beloved of the Lord, the family of God, on mission together, let's give it all. Let's give it all, right? Not in actual numbers. Like, I'm not saying drain your accounts necessarily. What I'm saying is, is... Give yourself all to the Lord and trust in his call and answer it fully, knowing that you are safe and secure, having been equipped. Beloved children of the Father, amen.